Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it is finally time to dig into some scouting again with some quarterback summer scouting. Connor and I are going to bring you our top fives for the 2022 college football season and the 2023 NFL draft. We're going to break down exactly what we love about our top five preseason quarterbacks, plus talk to you about some of the guys that did not make the top five right outside the list. We're going to give you guys the full scope of this upcoming quarterback class, what you need to know as a baseline before this season gets kicked off. We'll talk about background, recruiting, some interesting fun facts and stories about these guys. We'll give you the premium PFF stats about what you need to know about how these guys play. And then, of course, some film notes as we have watched a handful of these guys and a handful of games with them. So we got plenty to say. We got plenty to rank. I'm Trevor Sycamore. With me is Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. That is Connor Rogers. And as you guys can see, if you are watching on YouTube, Connor is donning his New York Rangers jersey because, folks, it is what everybody was asking for. It is a Tampa Bay Lightning, New York Rangers, Eastern Conference Finals. People who are listening to podcasts for football are going, what the hell do those words even mean? But uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that Connor and I are also big hockey fans, and our two teams are in the Eastern Conference Finals. And so, actually, Connor, when this episode comes out, game one will be finished. So, somebody's going to be pissed off at the other. I'm either not going to be talking to you for a couple of days until we have to prep the show for Monday, or vice versa. You might be the other way around. We'll see. This is the second series in a row where I keep telling myself I'm playing with house money. I'm like, the Rangers aren't supposed to be here. We're still, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, ah, you know, I'm feeling kind of good. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, man. It's, you know, when I said back in the, oh, God, it's weeks ago now, when the Lightning were playing Toronto and the Rangers were playing Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and each team felt like had a tougher time with those teams than they did in the second round, um, I, you know, I was like, hey, maybe a stock exchange Eastern Conference final, like with a little glimmer of hope. And then when it really happened, I was like, holy crap, this is really <laughs> happening. We're going to have a blast with this. We're going to be fired up. Uh, it's a great collision course because we're doing summer scouting. We got yes. the Eastern Conference final. We are having, it's June, and we are somehow having a blast on a football podcast right this now. This is good, man. We have no shortage of content whatsoever. And if you guys follow me or Connor or hopefully both of us on Twitter, there is going to be a lot of passive aggressive, or maybe we'll just drop the passive altogether and we'll just go straight aggressive. GIFs and memes and everything sent back okay. Okay. one another over you're the next not week. gonna top what you opened up with the evolution <laughs> breakup I, it was so so good it was so good that the rangers fans were in the mentions loving it we were having so much fun with it if you didn't see it trevor uh had maybe the tweet of of the young 2022 year it was unbelievable we are gonna get some <laughs> wrestling uh references in ingrained in this show going forward and that was just a home run no we're gonna have a blast with it you guys can have a blast with this as well whether you're fans of the lightning or the rangers or whoever join in with us for this Eastern conference finals be team connor or team trevor here and this is gonna be a lot of fun it'll give you something and if you're not a hockey fan maybe this will get you into it i'm telling you if you guys oh, have never been to a hockey game it's one of my favorite things and my favorite sporting events to watch live Connor mentioned it. He teased a little bit there. You guys also heard it in the intro. It is summer scouting time. The day is finally here where we are getting this bad boy kicked off, and we are starting with the most important position. It is quarterback. So the way that summer scouting is going to look for us here on this show is Connor and I are going to watch a handful of players, right? For quarterbacks, I I believe I watched 
eight. Connor, did you watch eight as well? Eight, watched eight guys. as well. So, yep. you know, we're going to have a handful of guys that we were able to get to their tape really in-depthly, get some great film notes on, some background information, some PFF stats to kind of bring to you guys to really just open up an intro this quarterback class that could be for 2023, these eligible guys. And, you know, for wide receivers, we're going to watch a lot more than just nine. And, you know, cornerbacks the same way, defensive linemen the same way. But uh, quarterbacks, we're kind of honing in on that number. I know some information about a couple of other guys, but what we're going to do is we'll kind of organize our thoughts in top fives. It's a numerical list. It's easy to digest for everybody. So uh, during these shows, every Thursday of this week over the next, I think, 12 weeks is how we have it built out. We'll go from five to one, ranking our quarterbacks preseason for the position going into the season. But then at the end of the show, we'll also throw out some other notes that we have for guys that just didn't make the top five, why they didn't make it, all that kinds of stuff. But man, I'm very excited to get going on summer scouting with you. I know this is something that you've done before on your previous podcast, Locked On NFL Draft listeners know that uh, we did this for a couple of years when it was me and Ben, but this is one of my favorite times of year. It's the, it's the chance where, there's not a ton else going on. I mean, outside of the Eastern Conference Finals, but there's not a ton else going on. And you really just get to sit down, turn on the tape, and focus on some of these guys and really learn about them as we kind of get into the season. I've never had a better time. The Rangers are in the Eastern Conference Final. The Mets are 35 <laughs> and 17. Yeah, the uh, Mets are going off, man. The Mets are just going nuts. And I agree with you that, man, sitting on the couch in the summer in the air conditioning with a clean slate of new prospects and new classes a blast. And like you said, we each watch eight guys but there's also a couple guys outside those eight that you and i are already very familiar with so it's eight new guys and then the guys outside of that we knew weren't going to be in our top five so we didn't go back and revisit that film again but we will discuss them um a little bit but man it is a lot of fun it's it's because i think it's a little bit more positive than the january stretch into the draft where you're re you're hammering home rankings you're being honest i think you and i are, are very very honest on this podcast it's not as much as what People watch on main network TV, you know, hyping up guys, which is okay. This is our turn to do that. About a year before the next draft, we get to hype up these guys, tell you what we think they're good at, tell you what we think they can be good at in the future. So yep. um, it, it's just a great time of the year. Yep. Before we dive into it, we do have a question of the day, which we are going to get to quickly before we jump into summer scouting. But got to read everybody's favorite ad. It's the Manscaped ad. Sweaty sack summer. Ooh. That's right. The triple S is approaching, and it's time for you to prioritize the comfort on your crotch. That's why the kings of crotch comfort, Manscaped, has spent the last two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. These things, man, they're the softest fabric underwear that you are going to find out. They're so breathable. It's just like gills for your groin. God, what a what a sentence what a feeling they even trademarked the jewel pouch folks they trademarked it they trade it it actually has the trademark symbol in the copy that's how you know it's real so you know that it's serious i think it's time that you invest in your family jewels so let your bulge breathe a little bit get 20 percent off and free shipping using the promo code pff at manscape.com dad you can buy it for yourself sons you can buy it for you or your dad yes father's day's coming up ladies you can buy it for your man and Dog dads, y'all deserve the treat too. Get 20% off and free shipping with the PFF code at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping. PFF at manscaped.com. Once the boxers 2.0 touch your sack, you will never go back. Connor, what is the question Nailed of the day? It. Tell me what the All question right. of the day is. Question of the day is inspired by longtime listener um, of not just the stock exchange, but our pods before that, Nicole Antonio, who... Okay. We've gone back and forth on this question in the now Sex Addicts Hall of Fame. And I'll throw it to you first, Trevor. Wait, is that what the group chat is called now? The Sex uh, Addicts Hall of Fame? It is the Sex Addicts Hall of Fame officially converted. <laughs> yes. 
Yes. Uh, when you have a flight, and you can answer it in two ways if you want, both okay. international okay. and domestic. When you okay. have a flight, how early do you get to the airport? How early is it okay to get to the airport? What is the normal allotted time? This is very controversial, by the way, because some people are absolute animals and get to the airport like four hours early. Okay, so uh, I have a story that is too long to share, so I'm not going to share it. But when we have a <laughs> when we have a mailbag episode, somebody asked me about the time that I got to the airport 14 hours early, uh, and I will tell I you all, tweeting this all about how it happened, what I did, the oh, day I'm that ensued. So you guys have to ask me about that. That'll be a reason for you guys to get in the mailbag. I like airports. Some people really like hate being at the airport. So they try to, they try to get like, they try to time it to where they're arriving at the gate as they are boarding. And you are, you are nodding your head. You're pointing at yourself. So I guess that this is you. What are they? I, I like airports. Oh God, man. Like I'm, I'm showing up to an airport. Now there have been plenty of times where I'm showing up and you know, we're boarding in like 15, 20 minutes or whatever from when I get there. But honestly, dude, if I get to the airport hour, hour and a half before a boarding, I'm I'm chilling, man. I'm big chilling. I'm walking around. I'm people watching. I'm getting my steps in. You know, I might get myself a little smoothie, a little coffee, something like that. So, I am uh, I'm somebody who enjoys airports, and so I'm I'm like a sixty to ninety minute ahead of uh, boarding time kind of a guy. So I instantly Googled ranking the best and worst airports. As soon as you said you like airports, yeah, it is no coincidence. And I did it domestically. I did it for U.S. airports. Um, so for our international listeners, I'm sorry. And Tampa is the third best airport. Tell them, baby. In, in the, the United PA States. The GOAT. The There's goat. bias. There's bias here. The GOAT. When you're sitting at Newark or LaGuardia <laughs> or JFK, you do not like being at the airport well, so there is there is bad bias does here the tra does, the, does the traffic go into it too like you're just like yeah. dreading getting to the airport or no so i'm really lucky i live in hoboken which is about a 20 minute uber to newark and i rarely hit traffic and there was a two-year period at bleacher report where i was flying during the season nearly weekly or at least bi-weekly we get it you about were traveled we yeah yeah it. so <laughs> you, got the you got the plane emoji in the in the bio you know just like you know yeah you like definitely not thing, yeah like lives the travel i just right. have a travel gram <laughs> absolutely not uh newark is uh number four on the worst list and laguardia is number two so wait now, what's number one it's got to be dallas right is columbus John what? Glenn Columbus International Airport, which I've been, been to that airport. And I would not. I don't. Been there. I don't get. How is that? Not, OK, these rankings are a little strange. I'll say that. Um, so either way, I actually have a hot take like Newark. Newark doesn't really bother me, uh, especially the new the upgraded terminal, the renovated terminal. Newark's fine. I get there in 20 minutes. Um, it's a fine airport. Fine. LaGuardia mm. nightmare going through the city and everything like that and the airport itself is terrible i am the type of guy though that eventually i had it down to a science where when i got through security i would walk grab a bottle of water stop and go to the bathroom and walk on the plane That's... and it felt and it there was a part of it that i loved the adrenaline of, of like course, yeah of course you did i might I miss my flight my never did the exact same way as you exact same way she and Alyssa travels airport. more than both of us she does, she and she to. does she gets a thrill out of Love getting it. like Can't getting get to of the it. gate basically as they are as, as I, they're calling her name. if i couldn't i was such an adrenaline you know junkie for travel that 
on the way home from places, if I finished early, whatever, wherever I was, and I couldn't get that adrenaline of timing, like just making my flight, I would go up to the counter and ask if there was any earlier flights back to the New York You're area. You're an animal! <laughs> You're an animal, and, and a couple times they'd be like, we actually have one seat on this plane that's leaving in 12 minutes. And they'd be like, you know, shout out to, I'm not a, United actually was pretty good most of the time. Delta was pretty good most of the time. Listen, airport, it's a tough business. They have their problems. I know people hate them, but... <laughs> I, I try to defend them sometimes. Are uh, you're sick? Yeah, I, you're sick. Now international, a little different, a little different. Well, I get of course, because yeah, you're customs. Pan, you're, right, there's you're a lot going on there. You checking in bags, which is the worst thing in the world. There's right. nothing worse than checking in a bag. But I just I can't fathom how nothing worse than checking. Like I, I I love my mother, but she is absolutely on the list of we're getting to the airport. Like, because they, they, they'll come up, they live down the Jersey Shore, they'll come up to Newark, and sometimes we're like, what time are you flying? Like, maybe we could, you know, like, grab lunch or something like that. She's like, oh, no, we got, like, one o'clock flight, we're at the airport by my 9 dad, My dad, <laughs> my dad's like that. My dad is very much like, hey, we got to get to the airport, like, two hours early. And my dad will be like, oh, you never know, it's like parking. We've never had a problem with parking literally once in our entire life. <laughs> ever and he's just like oh you never just you never know the traffic and yeah. you know if they're flying out of tampa we're, we're just south of tampa so they got they're like oh we gotta cross the skyway bridge i'm like dad it ain't like the bridge is closing bridge hadn't closed in like 30 years for any reason other than a hurricane like we're good we're gonna be all right is basically what i keep telling him and you know he gets he gets there even earlier than me maybe that's where i get it from but Oh, it's ingrained. I was. I let me I be fair. Just, I love to travel. I, I, yeah. I, I like airports. Man. So you, you like do. being just like at a like it's something different, right? You're I like do. I'm not at the house. I'm at I the airport. Yes. I get that. Yes. I get that. No, I get that. It is ingrained in you. So I was a, like that for a while. So I'm a. I'm a. I'm like a sixty to ninety minutes before my flight. You're a sixty to ninety seconds before you. I. I have, so I've actually regressed. So when I stopped traveling because of the pandemic. And then got back into the flight game, not nearly as much as I used to. I don't travel like that at all anymore. When I have a trip here or there, I I've gotten into like the 45 minute to an hour. Mm, you old yeah. man, you. Yeah, it's, it's shameful. It's actually shameful. I'll be like, oh, wow, I could sit and have like a, a meal or a coffee at the airport. This is this is horrible. All right, but I do think it's biased. Y'all let us know. Y'all let yeah. us know. Uh, let us know when you get to the airport. This is a no shame zone. The comments are a no shame zone. Yep. All right. Nobody Bonus else. Bonus when do you pack? Just that, that, we'll throw that in there too. Oh yeah. When do you pack? Dude, I'm night before. I, what'd you say? Night before. I mean, and we're talking like late. The bedtime. hour before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. With like that bad boy is the last task on the day outside of showering before I go to bed. 100%. Yep. So we'd love to hear from you. Let us know when you get to the airport, whether Connor is way too much of an adrenaline junkie, whether I'm way too much of an old man, you tell us when do you guys. Your fiance sounds worse, way oh, worse than I me. I mean, well, she's like, she's an adrenaline junkie. It's just what she does. It's just how she, how, she, how it goes, man. It's just. She's addicted. She's addicted to the rush <laughs> of how close can I cut it at the airport. If you're like that, we uh, we want to hear from you guys as well. Before we get into the summer scouting, top five of our quarterbacks here, we're going to get that underway. The NFL Stock Exchange is brought to you by Cash App. Cash App, the easiest way to send, spend, and save your money. You can send request money 
uh, from your friends when they owe you for dinner, drinks, literally anything besides just sending money back and forth, Cash App. You can also invest in stocks with as little as $1, or you can buy Bitcoin. Bitcoin's a lot more expensive than $1, but hey, if you got it, go ahead. Go ahead and buy Bitcoin through, uh, through Cash App. Be my guest. Cash App also allows you to design your own debit card completely free to spend money wherever you'd like. Cash App will laser print and mail it to you all for free, and the card comes with free discounts at your favorite places called Boost. Sign up for Cash App today using the referral code TOUCHDOWN, all caps, one word, TOUCHDOWN, which gives new users 15 extra bucks to spend for free. That's promo code TOUCHDOWN, $15 free in Cash App. All right, let's get into summer scouting now. Connor, I will let you kick things off, which, you know, it seems like when I do that, it actually comes back to bite me because it came back to bite me really hard on the Mock Draft Monday edition when you took Justin Herbert from me. I'm still trying to get over this it. This one's it was, right move. it was the right move. It was the right move, but I'm going to have a little PTSD from it. But I will still let you go first. Summer scouting, we're going to go five to one, and then we'll talk about some guys that didn't make our list. Connor, going into the 2022 college football season for the 2023 NFL draft cycle, Who's your number five quarterback right now? So this one might surprise you, but it is, or maybe it won't. It's Florida's Anthony Richardson. Mm. And this is the only guy of my top five that we've not seen play a lot. I think it's safe to say, or we are really safe to say (laughs) we are really projecting a lot where it was very easy to get through all of his tape. Um, I remember watching him during the college football season last year when he came in because it was a big deal at the time. He came in and made some crazy splash plays and a notable recruit, a former four-star recruit. There is, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Trevor, I believe he's from the Gainesville area. Yep. So, yes, he is. I mean, and I know you're going to have a lot of background on him um, as to contribute to this as well, you know, being a Florida alum. But with Richardson, I'll just pull up my notes right here, how he ended up number five. And it's funny to me because he's somebody that, if by January, it wouldn't shock me if he was in the top three of my quarterbacks and ready to go to the NFL. It wouldn't shock me if he wasn't in my top 10 quarterbacks anymore. He's Very the biggest projection of all of these guys. But I really enjoyed watching his film, right? A redshirt sophomore, six foot four, 237 pounds, uh, born May 22nd, 2001. So still a really young guy. Not surprising. Hasn't played a ton of ball yet. Huge frame legitimate power arm without limitations the first thing i wrote down can hang in and get the snot knocked out of him while still making the throw and the good the good is that that's very physically impressive the bad is he has to stop fading backwards and doing that consistently or he will be a turnover machine as unfortunately you know all too well so with anthony richardson the very small sample that we got to see there are plays in my opinion that I don't know if any other quarterback in this class can make. Right, yeah. And yeah. there are plays that can cost you games too often, too easily. So I really am excited about him. I think I'm not the most, but one of the most excited in terms of the guys on this list today. And it was tough getting him. It was tough picking number five. I'm not going to lie. It was. Mm-hmm. I took the guy that the traits were the most exciting, the body type, the arm, um, the splash plays, over guys that we're going to talk about at the end of the show, because I don't want to give anything away yet, that are definitely more proven, but do not have the ceiling that Richardson possesses. Well, with you having Richardson at 
five, that means that we'll at least have one difference in our top five because I had him number six. So he was right outside of my top five, but I'll go ahead and obviously talk about him here. I don't have to save him for the end since you're bringing him up. You're right. Four-star quarterback, came from the Gainesville area, born and raised in Gainesville, um, played high school football in Gainesville before getting to commit to his hometown Gators there. Last season, I'll just say, when you look at his stats, 529 passing yards, 401 rushing yards, he was kind of splitting time with Emory Jones, but I'm going to be honest with you guys, that was also, I feel like it was never really the plan. Like, they wanted Emory to be the guy. They wanted Emory Jones to be their starting quarterback. Dan Mullen, that's what he wanted. They wanted Richardson to basically just be that quarterback who kind of came in for two or three plays a game and was just this wow factor like okay what does the defense do because you mentioned and i have it in my notes this is probably the most physically gifted quarterback that we're going to see in this class it's bananas whether whether or not comes out what he can do from a total size which you mentioned six foot four 235 pounds i mean this is a big dude a size speed arm talent i mean the arm talent man is crazy for this guy he makes these throws 30 40 yards down the field look like it's just truly a flick of the wrist like mm-hmm. he's putting nothing behind it and then as a rusher he's had a couple of uh, games where he was an elite rusher in pfs grading system so i mean he is mobile beyond just extending the play he is a true threat to run uh and i you know i i I'm extremely hesitant to bring up the Josh Allen example, but that's the example that I think people are going to be able to recognize right off the bat is like, okay, obviously Josh is a much more polished quarterback at this point in time, but like how the Buffalo Bills used Josh Allen and his legs, his mobility as a weapon for them, as a, as an actual tool, not just a, okay, your first couple of reads were bad. And now you're taking off like, no, no, no. There were, there were game plan moments to where they used his legs as a weapon. That's kind of the same mold that you can use Anthony Richardson, but you know, you know, you know what just, it was closer, or not to cut you off. You know what it was closer to me. Uh, now he, he's his frame is gigantic, so it is hard to find someone. You said Josh Allen, a, a little Trey Lance, um, sometimes with with him, where power sure. arm, thick thick frame, a power runner. You know, now he's playing in the SEC. Now, if you put Anthony Richardson in the FCS, I think he would just physically destroy everyone. Well, sure, but so did Trey Lance, right? I mean, like that name that you bring up there is a lot better of a potential imagination for these guys because if we look at Trey Lance and we go like, okay, well, why isn't he starting yet for the San Francisco 49ers? And I think it's because there was a massive talent gap with him of when he got to the NFL and the things that he's had to learn. And we're obviously watching Richardson's 2021 film. So he has a whole year in which we think he is going to be the starter for the full season at UF to where we're going to have probably a lot more notes for him once he gets all these things under his belt because of the big a big part that I wrote down is he just needs more reps man I mean like he's so green in everything everything um, you know his is you know, the highs are incredible that USF game is truly video game like you just turn on any snap that he was in the game in the USF game and it was just mind blowing stuff it was like okay just give this guy the Heisman trophy right now but you know for him I think that um oh shoot hold on I I missed a I, Missed the tab here. Okay, here we go. This is what I had for him for weaknesses, things where he needs to get better. Consistent accuracy is not there yet. It's almost as if his arm is too powerful for his own good when it comes to accuracy. Needs a lot more reps under his belt to really hone in on his mechanics, improve his touch with his deep passes and with those quick passes as well. That was the biggest area that I saw. Okay, his talent could make these big-time pluses in his game. 
but he doesn't have the consistency to be able to do it. But, you know, he's also got to manage the pocket a lot better. He's got to read defense better. All that I think hopefully will come with more snaps. So something else that I did before we move on is I looked at a handful of PFF stats that we have using PFF Ultimate for 10 of these quarterbacks. And I'll just list them off here. We've got Spencer Rattler, uh, Anthony Richardson, Jake Hayner, Sam Hartman, Jaron Hall, Will Levis, uh, Tanner McKee, Tyler Van Dyke, CJ Stroud, and Bryce Young. So I had 10 quarterbacks that I was kind of pooling. And I got the numbers for PFF grade, big-time throw rate, turnover-worthy plays, adjusted completion percentage, average depth target, play action percentage, so how often they lean on play action, air yard percentage, which means how much of their yards were actually in the air, not just yards after the catch from the receivers, and then passes batted down. So I've got some rankings of where these guys lined up in those categories. PFF grade for Anthony Richardson, 58.5. Not very good. It was the bottom of this list. It was 10th out of the 10 eligible quarterbacks. Jumped out to me. Big time throw rate, though. He had four, but he didn't throw very often. So that was 6.3% of his passes. That was third. So this dude was a big game hunter when he was in the game. Especially the four uh, throws are nuts, too. Nuts. They're just, they're insane. Now, the turnover worthy plays, five of them, that's 6.8 mm-hmm. of his passes. That was dead last. That was also 10th. So you don't want that. Adjusted completion percentage, also 10th. It's just throwing. Like I said, he's just got all the talent in the world, all the power in the world. He just doesn't know how to be finesse with it yet. Average depth of target was 12.5, which is the second highest. Passes batted down. He didn't have any, so that was first. Air yard percentage, 62.2. That's third best. And then play action percentage, 35.1. So it's not like this guy was leaning on play action a ton. Uh, End of the day, I think he's a supremely talented player. There's just a lot that he still has to learn. And he just he just needs reps. He just needs reps. He just absolutely needs reps. But I, I understand why you've got him at five, because he's very alluring with what he can do. Yeah, I think part of it was that, once again, it's it's betting on traits. And you'll see in the rest of my five lists, there's guys that are, are more polished than him, much more polished. There are guys I'm going to talk about after the top five that can pass Anthony Richardson easily just by Richardson falling because they're polished as well. It, it was definitely one of those, I like this guy's traits. I'm really excited to watch him grow this year. So my number five is Tanner McKee from okay. Stanford, the redshirt sophomore from Stanford. Six foot six, 225 pounds. Dude is large. Um, back, a little background information on him. Uh, grew up in Corona, California. He was a four-star slash five-star guy, depending on what recruiting database you were looking at. Was the number three quarterback in the 2018 recruiting class behind Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And if you go, okay, hold on here. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are going in their second years in the NFL. You just said that Tanner McKee was a redshirt sophomore. Well, after high school, Tanner McKee went on a 21-month stint as a missionary in Brazil for the Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. So he is likely going to be one of those older prospects, whether he's coming out this year or um, in years that follow. If he comes out this year, if this is his last year, I don't think I have his exact birthday, but he'll he'll be right around 23, 24 years old when week one starts of 2023 if he goes to the NFL. So he'll be a little bit older of a quarterback. Uh, Something of note in his past that I thought was uh, really noteworthy and something to point out, when he was in high school, he uh, he was diagnosed with melanoma, a dangerous form of skin cancer that he had to get removed from his body. He also had to have surgery uh, near his neck on some of his lymph nodes. And before he had surgery, you know, he was 
coming up as a prolific high school quarterback and the doctor kind of warned his parents they're like hey you know there's there's a chance that with the surgery you know it's very delicate you know even if we get all the cancer out there could be some potential nerve damage it might affect his throwing motion it might affect things like that and obviously it was something that they had to get handled anyways and his parents and the accounting, you know, his coaches and everything said that he, as a 16-year-old kid, just handled it so well, handled it with confidence. And uh, an article that I was reading about it said that when he woke up from surgery, um, obviously this is a, a, a very delicate and, and, and dangerous thing that he was, he was trying to have done. His mom walked into the room where he was kind of recovering. And when he woke up, he kind of, he, he gave his mom a wink and a thumbs up. And then he gave her like a throw, like a throwing motion. Like I'm all right. Like I'm, like I'm good and everything. So that was such a cool story that I absolutely love to hear about him. So if you see him wearing long sleeves in crazy hot weather, because he's kind of protecting himself from sun damage. He's so, have you ever noticed that he's got some long sleeves on? You go, what is this dude doing? He's got to be sweating his nuts yeah. off. It's because of kind Sweaty of that background. Season. So, right. Exactly. <laughs> Get a manscaped sleeve. But sleeves. it's also sun protection season. So, I thought that that was a really cool story, man. Not only the fact that this dude has uh, taken a leap as a youngster, you know, outside of high school, going to live in Brazil on a missionary stint. I mean, he also had you know, such a kind of traumatic thing that he had to go over and face as a 16 year old kid. And he's been through a lot of things already. And it just seems like everybody says the world about him. And I think that when you go through those things, at a young age, and you just continue to have confidence in yourself. Um, you continue to see the bright side in life. Like, Hey, okay, this is the situation. This is how we're handling it. And this is how we're going to make the best of it. It seems like that was definitely something with Tanner McKee and his background that I absolutely love. Let's get to the film though. Film notes I've got on him. Six foot six, like I said, so he's huge, smooth thrower, man. I think that when you watch this guy and what he is on the field, he is such a smooth thrower of the football. That six foot six height shows up in how easy he makes throws appear, a lot like Anthony Richardson does, uh, especially since his mechanics, very clean, man. I felt like he had a wide base consistently, the toes, the hips, the shoulders, always consistently going towards the target. I felt like he wasn't doing any kind of heel clicking. His base was staying wide, no matter whether he was looking yep. right, whether he was looking down the field uh to the center whether he was looking left whatever it was he was hopping around staying on his feet but that base continued to stay wide and i think you saw a lot of really clean mechanic throws because of it so he understands that thing really well which is good to see got a really strong arm for both distance and velocity i wouldn't say his arm is like in the rare category but it's certainly i would say that it is nfl caliber now the weakness yep. is his game this is a big reason because i love a lot of things about tanny mckee but the big weakness for him is the touch and the pinpoint accuracy are missing from his game, which is a lot of, it, it was kind of reminiscent of what I thought of Desmond Ritter last year, where I looked at Ritter and I went, man, those mechanics are clean, man. This guy, this guy, he just, he's just a, you love, it's a beautiful throwing motion. You love watching him throw the football, but sometimes it just doesn't go where you want it to go. And he had a really high adjusting completion percentage, Tanner McKee did, but there are times when that ball just does not end up where you want it to go. And there are, you know, I caught myself doing this, and I'm, I wonder if you saw the same. There are a handful of throws with Tanner McKee where I go, boy, he put that ball where only his receiver could get it. Now, mm -hmm. his receiver didn't get it, but I like where he put it. Normally, we write that down, and we say that that's a good thing. But that happened so many times. I was like, okay, man, but your receiver's got to get it. Like at, some of yeah. these, like at some point, you've got to be able to put it right on your receiver and he's got to get it. So I don't know, man. The accuracy is something that it worries me a little bit with him. There's a lot of things to like from a physical profile, but that touch and that pinpoint accuracy, 
did not see that with him last year. So somehow, some way, he's got to get that ball to where it needs to go, and that is the receiver's hands, maybe more than just a spot. So Tanner McKee was the third quarterback I watched after Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Uh huh. And good lord, do those weapons look different? And it, it's Stanford's <laughs> a good true. program. Yes, Stanford's a true. good program, but. It was pretty wild when you see the planet that Alabama and Ohio State is on from a recruiting pass catchers standpoint that, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I agree with you. I, I'll, you know, obviously I will be getting to McKee at some point and I'm excited to piggyback and great background info Ooh, on him. So you have McKee higher. I do. I have McKee in my top five. Ooh, uh, okay. I really, really liked him. Okay. All right. All right. Um, yeah. So we'll get there. Wait, as well. is he, wait, is he, he's is not he, number four. Okay, all right, all right. I was just going to say, you could piggyback off me if you want because you're about to say number four, but ooh, all right. No, and I will say, let me figure out where we are right here. Okay, so three and four, like if I had to tier this thing, there are three tiers in the top five. We already got through tier three. Anthony Richardson, in my opinion, was on his own tier down Uh there. Okay. Now tier two, four and three are together. Number four was Tyler Van Dyke. And he um so he's number four for me really interesting player i remember when you wrote a feature on him last year and that was my first introduction to tyler van dyke where i was like i'm excited for this guy in the future in a future draft class only a redshirt sophomore he was i believe um how do they classify acc rookie of the year or newcomer year yeah rookie uh, yeah i don't get first year player whatever he really good in the acc for a first year player (laughs) good young Uh, guy award exactly 6'4 224 i mean trevor it goes back to your point florida had emory jones who Mm -hmm. at this time last year was making an appearance in some first round mock drafts nobody was really thinking anthony richardson was going to come into that amount of reps miami had dear king Mm -hmm. and i don't know if people really expected tyler van dyke to play as much as he did but obviously dear king got hurt and tyler van dyke who is a former four-star recruit he was the number two pro style quarterback in his class there were big expectations for him coming to the u more notes pocket passer with the thick frame uh plays like a four pitch pitcher a lot of speed a lot of off speed and touch throwing was what i wrote um he, he really reminds me of somebody that he doesn't come out there with the 101 mile an hour fastball and that's what he's he's gonna say i'm gonna beat you with this over and over again he's somebody that because of some arm limitations i put arm strength is mediocre the ball tends to float on him down the field sometimes Mm -hmm. he really knows how to play with different tempo and speeds and it just reminded me of the old veteran um i'm trying to think of a good of good comp maybe maddox or even tom glavin Chris Bassett on the Mets right now, guys that just have this big arsenal of pitches and know how to use all of them. He re- that's what he really reminded me of. Um, another guy I wrote this about Anthony Richardson. He can drift backwards sometimes, and he's not a good enough athlete to get away with that against good teams. Like he's not going to be running away from not only NFL defenders but top 100 NFL kind of prospects when he sees them. When he drifts and rolls a little bit too wide, there are times in the ACC that it was okay. Right. But I, I really liked Tyler Van Dyke. I, I really did. I think he's somebody that throws with touch at all three levels of the field. Yes, once again, I did say the ball sails on him on some of the really deep stuff, but he was somebody to me that understood how to play the quarterback position. And for a young guy, for a really young guy, you almost kind of forget that he was a redshirt freshman out there. So Van Dyke is somebody that uh, can operate from the pocket. I 
I thought a, a little bit of it in terms of the, like, he's not a great athlete, but it's adequate enough was Kenny Pickett to me um, in a way. And I think that obviously there's more upside with Van Dyke than Pitt, what Pickett had, but watching him play, that's what kind of came to mind. So I'm a fan. I'm excited for Miami to see this kind of talent at the quarterback position. Yeah. And I think considering how young he is and the kind of year he had, he really, really knows how to manage a game. And, and I think he can carve you up in the intermediate was his, was his most notable aspect. Did you know that he was a pitcher? No, I didn't. Okay, so he not only was he a pitcher i don't know if this is his junior or senior year of high school it's incredible but, by the but way but he he's he's from he's from connecticut okay i saw you smiling when i said the four the four pitches he it's because he won new england pitcher of the year as a junior I, it's, or senior. it's shameful that i didn't know that because i did try to do uh multi-sport backgrounds and all these guys right. but with him i never did yeah That's, so he was new england pitcher right. of the year was went undefeated one year and had an era of 1.08 I unbelievable so yeah, unbelievable which uh yeah. So, I mean, he was a four-star quarterback out of, out of uh, Connecticut. You mentioned uh, the baseball style. Well, it's because he, he absolutely was a pitcher. Now, the crazy thing about him is he burst on the scene last year. For those who are kind of learning Tyler Van Dyke's name, maybe for the first time throughout this process this summer, threw, threw for 300-plus yards in six games in a row, and I think the last six games of the season. Over 2,000 passing yards with 20 touchdowns and just three interceptions, 66% completion percentage, and was named the ACC Offensive rookie of the year you mentioned it there when you look at his pff stats though he's definitely that big game hunter kind of a quarterback right now because the pff grade 78.5 that was eighth out of the, these 10 quarterbacks that i watched the adjusted completion percentage of just 71 percent that was eight that was also eighth so near the bottom and the turnover worthy plays he had 11 which is three percent that was seven so yep. all of those are not great categories however <laughs> big time throws Dude had 25 big time throws yep. in the limited. He only played for the Virginia game on, which I think was like six or seven games, whatever that yeah. was. He had 25 big time throws in that game. 7.7% of his passes were big time throws, which was by far the most amount when I looked at these quarterbacks here. So that's that's without a doubt first on the list. He is he is fourth for me. So I'm just kind of piggybacking off you here because okay, so I, we're both having him at four. Yeah, I well, I tan well. Right. Yes. 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 That's uh that's yeah, that's uh that that's how that's these numbers that's how these numbers work. So I had Tanner McKee at five, and then I've got uh Tyler Van Dyke at number four. Here's my strengths and weaknesses category for him. Strengths, big, big, tall, sturdy quarterback, good strong base. You can see that in the power that he yep. generates in some of those throws. He can get a wide base and still be really tall in the pocket, which matters, especially when we get to a couple of these other quarterbacks that I'm gonna mention that maybe aren't the tallest in the world. You know, you're taught to when you have a base. And I guess I'll just say this because I'm going to talk about kind of his mechanics and his throwing style here. There are so many different types of throwing styles. Throwing the football is very individualistic. It is very unique from player to player. But there are certain things that you kind of want to at least be consistent. And those are, of course, you know, your toes, your hips, your shoulders. They're all pointing towards the target when you release, you know, that uh, you are – making sure that the success that you're able to have on certain passes, that it's it's stuff that you could replicate, right? It's not super erratic stuff. And, you know, I was watching a quarterback clinic with, oh, Tennessee's assistant quarterback coach. I cannot remember his name. He did a phenomenal job in the clinic, and I can't even remember his name. But he a line that he gave at the beginning of the clinic, he's like, 
the number one thing that kills good quarterback fundamentals is talent. Talent is the number one thing that kills it because sure. guys think they can get away with anything. And they think that they kind of like just they don't have to hone in on it. And some of these guys that we're going to talk about throughout this episode are, are there more than others. But when I watch Tyler Van Dyke, he's got a bit of a sidearm release. And he does that thing almost like a pitcher where when he throws the football, his hips are open. They're very open. So that front foot is often like too far to the left. And it's almost like he's compensating for that sidearm motion by putting his hips a little bit more open, pointing his feet a little bit at a bigger of an angle to say, okay, well, the ball's coming out from the side, not over top. So I'm just going to kind of compensate for it by putting my foot a little bit further to the left uh, of where I'm throwing it. And it works sometimes, but it's just not as consistent as I would like for it to be. I really like Tyler Van Dyke's arm. I really do. But the mechanics are just a little bit worrisome of how consistent they're going to be able to be. If Miami goes, nope, this is the kind of player he is. He's a former pitcher. This is his style. We're just going to let him cook. Okay, that's fine. But is he going to be as accurate? Is he going to be able to generate enough power to where when he gets to the next level? At the NFL, I think no. It, it stays as consistently good. Yeah. And I think if you look at the turnover-worthy play number, the PFF grade, and the adjusted completion percentage all near the bottom of this list, that tells you no. Yep. So I think that that's something that he definitely has to work on. And I wanted to make sure that I said right off the bat that a lot of throwing styles are very individualistic. But those things, being able to be – if you, look, Phillip Rivers threw – like a, a giant weirdo. Like Phil Rivers is one of my favorite quarterbacks ever, but like he just he just threw like such a weirdo. But the thing was, he was consistent with it. He could do the same thing every time. It's when you get these players who you go, okay, well that's just his throwing motion. Well, that's fine, but can he do exactly that every time? And if he can't, that's when it gets dangerous. Phillip Rivers was able to have that shot put, weird sidearm release, but he could do the same thing every time to where the ball went exactly where he wanted to. Tyler Van Dyke has a little bit of a sidearm release, and he's got a little bit of a pitcher's background with how open his hips are, but those two things are not equating to consistency right now. So we'll, that's the big thing that I want to look at with Tyler Van Dyke. Big time big thrower if you will guy who loves the deep shot loves a big play you love that gunslinger mentality and so that's why i've got him number four but he's got to clean up those mechanics and he's young he's his first time as a starter so we'll see if he can but that was my thoughts on him okay so we both had van dyke at four um a big part of your analysis of him was about really his base and his motion and the consistency my guy at number three was your guy at number five tanner mckee and one of my favorite things about him that I put in my notes with Tanner McKee was how consistent his base is as a quarterback. He was a guy to me that, you know, we talked about, you said he served the two-year mission in Brazil uh, before he enrolled at Stanford. So mm -hmm. he will be, uh, he's not an old player actually at all. He's just, you know, he, he was a big-time recruit in his class and then kind of forgotten about because of the two-year mission um, a true drop back pocket passer, great size. I think limited mobility. A lot of guys at that size are not going to move extremely well. They're not going to be dual threat guys. But the number one note in my Tanner McKee analysis that I would run over a highlighter over, over and over again is extremely comfortable scanning the field and keeping his base consistent. When he drops back in the pocket, 
you can see all of the weight transfer in that base and the ability to go through his reads, obviously in a Stanford system that by now everybody knows really, really well. Um, you, you have to be, you know, I think pretty bright to handle that system for the most part. And I thought McKee looked really, really comfortable at all times. Release is a bit lengthy, but these six foot six quarterbacks, Trevor Lawrence had the same thing. It, mm-hmm. It's just, they're long. They're right. big they're guys. It's, dudes. It, it goes back to the whole conversation we had a million times where would Drake London... Drake London's routes are going to look different than Calvin Austin's. Calvin Austin's Austin's the perfect example because he's like 5'9". Right, right. I I didn't really knock him for that. It's just something I noticed. I'm like, his release is a little bit longer. You said it, Trevor. I think you hinted at it. There's times where like, when he's inaccurate, you could see guys jumping on the ball a little bit. And I think when your release is a little bit longer, it just happens to you. It's Mm -hmm. happened to... good note. It's happened to guys in the past. It's happened to, you know, a Trevor Lawrence before. It happens to these guys that uh, load up that way. So I know it's happened to Drew Locke before. And so I thought his release was a bit lengthy, but it's expected for a six foot six quarterback. I think some of the bucket throws from McKee, and this really all goes back to his ability to sit in the pocket and play with a consistent base and go through his reads and understand where he wants to go. And everything is repeatable with him in his mechanics. Some of the bucket throws are fantastic they're they're truly fantastic now the guys in the next tier um uh, we're gonna highlight how great they are in a little bit of one and two and we're gonna get to your third in a, in a in a few but i was so impressed with mckee's overall play as a pocket passer because how much he can quarterback a game all of these guys so many college quarterbacks athlete a game and then they'll sprinkle in a quarterback play here or there the top ones can do both I don't think McKee can athlete a game, but he knows how to quarterback a game. And it's really impressive to watch. And I think we're going to see significant growth in him this year. And when I watch him play, man, I just thought right away, it's chalky, but I thought of Joe Flacco right away. Six foot six, 226, the repeatable pocket mechanics, the lack of mobility, the big arm, the elongated release, uh, that system. I just go, man, this guy is Delaware Joe Flacco all over again and I, that's a big compliment like i know if we laugh at him now but joe flacco there was a time and a place oh, where dude great prospect good quarter he won a super bowl good franchise quarterback and his yes. time just ran out and he was never great but he was good um that that just when people watch mckee jets I think, legend I, jets legend oh, right joe, now had joe the biggest flacco. play of otas this week so <laughs> <laughs> uh, sickening time of year but yeah tanner mckee man <laughs> I, I was a fan i was pleasantly uh pleasantly surprised and i loved your background info i did not know about you know, some of the long road he's really had. I only knew about the mission, but yeah. the long road. It's, he's an easy guy to root for, obviously. So my number three is not in your top five. No, and I, I sensed that after you did number four. I was right. like, oh, boy. Right, and I'm very, I'm, I'm very curious to hear what your thoughts are on him. But I think Will I can Le- guess it. Will Levis is, yeah, my, that's who I guess. is, is my number three here. And I like Speaking Levis. of athleting at the quarterback position. <laughs> Correct, right. Well, dude, okay, you want to talk about background. Let's get into some of this dude's background. His family athletic background is nuts, okay? Three-star quarterback from Middletown, Connecticut. That's where, that's where Will Levis is from. His father, Mike, played football at Denison University, which is a D3 school in Ohio. His mother, Beth, was a two-time All-American soccer player at Yale. His uncle played football at Yale, and his great-grandfather, Alva, was an All-American and won a national championship at Cornell in 1939 for the Cornell football team. Like, this dude is just like, every step down, down his family line, you've got straight athlete. He set his high school record, now this is back to Will Levis, 
set his high school record as a senior for passing touchdowns, 27, uh, had almost 3,000 passing yards, over 2,700. Uh, went to Penn State, was not always at Kentucky. It was at Penn State from 2018 yeah. to 2020, backed up Sean Clifford for two seasons, which is mind-numbing at this point. I, incredible note. Not good, but incredible. <laughs> don't, I don't know what to tell you. Don't know what to tell you. Don't know what to tell you. That's all I'll say. Just don't know what to tell you. Earned the starting job at Kentucky. So he transferred over to Kentucky. Earned the starting job in just one week. Now, you figure, okay, he's transferring over to Kentucky. He's probably transferring because he's got a good chance to start, whatever. But not only that, something that stood out even more to me, Connor, is that he was voted a team captain before the first game. Like, so this guy comes over from Penn State. He has been with these guys that long. Earns a starting job. All right, that's fine. Team captain. Yeah. Voted a team captain before any game. This is before Will Levis started to play really well as the early parts of the season went on. So... Ended up passing for over 20, 2,800 yards, had 28 passing touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Uh, also wanted to note that Will Levis is a hilarious dude beyond just the things that he eats, which is um, very hilarious now because my girlfriend has had to do segments on SEC Now about the things that Will Levis eats, which include like bananas with the peels on them and eating or drinking coffee with mayonnaise instead of creamer. And uh, so, Wait, what? Have you not seen any of this? No, and now so, I'm glad he's not in my top five. So, so what the, the hell? He, he does like these weird food things that I'm I'm pretty sure he's just doing for clout, which is fine because it's just the day. This is a bit. This but is he, a bit. Uh, it has to be a bit. But he, there was a TikTok that went viral of him just sitting there eating a banana with the peel on, just like eating oh. it. And then Alyssa was at a Kentucky game and for the broadcast had to eat a banana. Were- I remember the, this. See, I remember when Alyssa did it, but I didn't know that it was, it was because Will Levis. Levis did it. And then a week later, like to top it, because everybody was like, oh, what's Will going to do next? He's He was at breakfast with his girlfriend. And what's Will going to do next? And she and she was like, she was like, oh, do you need creamer for your coffee? And he's like, no, I'm good. And he grabs like a squeezable mayo. That you, oh, and he just that like is... puts the mayo in Ow. the coffee and then just drinks the coffee. So Alyssa also had to drink mayo coffee, which she almost threw up on. That's disgusting. TV. I don't even believe that mixes. No, 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 it doesn't. It's just chunky. Like it's just Ew, chunky. Dude, <laughs> this is so foul. Will Levis is is okay. Is, can I can I redeem him? Wrong can, with him. Hold on. Can I redeem him? I don't think you can, but you could try. He said in an interview that his dream job is to be a stay-at-home dog dad with a wife who earns six figures. I mean, good work if you could find it. Right, it's great work if you can I find it. I think you're going to so, have to take some shots in the NFL. And, but, he's uh, he's he he's he's a funny dude. Will we'll Love is a very funny no. Dude, it but, sounds it sounds incredible. So honestly. okay, well, all right. Let's get to some. I'll get to my film notes, and then I'd love to hear from you of why he didn't make your top five and what you thought of Will Levis. I'm sure that you watched him as well. So the strengths portion of Will Levis' game: really nice arm, and he's got good zip, plenty of distance. Yep. Fundamentally. He has a good tight spiral on almost all of his passes. So I think that he does a really great job pointing the thumb down, if you will, getting the full rotation on the hand, being able to turn through the body to really get a good spiral on almost all of his passes. Does a really good job creating torque on those throws for the spiral. Very confident player when things are going right. When things are going right, even at the beginning of games, when he's creating his own momentum, he does a lot that you love like he's the guy who will if he scrambles for a first down he's getting up and he's pointing down the field right and he's getting people pumped up and you could see little instances on the field of why this dude was voted a captain you really can 
I think he's got the ability to be a really good deep ball passer, but he just did not hit or attempt as many deep, deep shots as I thought that he was going to. I think that that may change this year, but I also don't think Kentucky necessarily had the offensive weapons to be able to do that. Remember their best pass catcher was uh super short Wandale Robinson. Yep. So it wasn't exactly built in their game. Now the weaknesses for him, the footwork and below the waist mechanics can be good at times, but they are too inconsistent, especially when he gets rattled a little bit. Too often does his base become more narrow than it should. He wants yep. to stand a lot taller in the pocket than he needs to. He's got to keep those feet a little bit further than shoulder width. He's got to keep those knees bent so he can bounce on it a little bit. Also, his feet can sometimes not be aligned exactly where you need them to be for that pinpoint accuracy. He gets a little too confident in himself. And this is also a note that I had. There are too many times where he bails on his fundamentals because his arm is so good. He needs to learn that just because a throw might not be perfect and on platform does not mean that he has to make it more difficult by bending his body or not moving his feet at all or not turning his hips or anything like that. I just think that he forgets that a little too much because he believes in his arm a lot. You love the confidence, but it can't be arrogance, right? That's what the, 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 the difference in quarterback play is often that. It is balancing confidence and arrogance when it comes to your fundamentals and your reads and everything, and that's what makes a really great quarterback. Would love to see him work on some anticipation stuff as well because i think certainly when he was getting rattled or not seeing the defense the way that he thought like if they're looking like they're in a too high shell as the safeties are back deep pre-snap one rotates down if he didn't expect that guy to rotate down or one to rotate down rotate down at all he gets really hesitant he gets really gun shy and it just it needs to be a lot better a lot quicker for him uh, so those are those are my uh those are my notes on will levis there I think you nailed it. I, I think that I could have easily had him at five instead of Anthony Richardson. He's he's the other guy that I wrote down in the notes. The splash plays are up there with any of the quarterbacks in this class. But I think the last part of what you said is so important that sometimes he, he right now, and a lot of young quarterbacks are this way, so this is me picking on Will Levis, is that he's a see it then throw it guy yeah, not sure. a right. throw it while it's developing right and it's the anticipation note that you had and i think that if he can find a way to start throwing with anticipation not being a guy that's okay i'm big i'm strong I, first note i have is he's a quarterback built like a tight end i'm big i'm strong i think i can out athlete everybody and then when somebody's open i'm gonna throw it and I think it's really hard to play that way as that as your main brand at the next level and i think oh, yeah he, I think he has a lot to unlock where it goes back to the conversation. Are you athleting at quarterback or are you quarterbacking? And I think he right now is the is all the way one swing of the pendulum. He's athleting, but man, if he can get to the middle a little bit, he's got he's got big time traits. You're right, Trevor. He he doesn't play with his base at all. And he still makes throws. That's what's crazy. It's like, man, if you played with your base, you there's more power in that big bodied right. arm. Right. Um I, I saw I think that he was the guy that when he rarely did play with his base. He can drive the ball outside the deep hash. And His that to me good, was man. like, I was like, ah, not a lot of guys I watched in the last 48 hours can really, really do that. Uh, one interesting note I found with him, and you mentioned that he transferred from Penn State. He's going to turn 24 before his first NFL training camp. So I think. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, so, yeah, because, yeah, he's got to. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Now that I'm thinking about it. So he, he's got to. He's got to have the year this year. Like, mm -hmm. he's got to turn it on this year because you don't want to be the guy turning 25 before your first NFL right. training camp. Right. So, um,. So yeah, it's it's important. It's just important. So I, I don't want to be the you know, the age monitor guy. No, no, I guess all the time. Good. But for quarterbacks, it matters. Good so enough. yeah, I, I think it's it, that's a gr perfect breakdown though on Levis. Exactly how I felt pretty much too. All right, so we didn't have the same number three quarterback. I have a good feeling 
that we're going to have the same top two. Maybe not in the same order. Yeah, maybe not. But we can fi- we can figure it out right now. Who I have a weird got- feeling we will. Who you got at number two? Number two, I have Bryce Young. Okay. And I think a lot of people might maybe gasp when they hear that or be shocked. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, are we? I feel like we're so fixated on Bryce Young being the number one, at least quarterback next mm-hmm. year. I know Will Anderson is discussed justifiably so as the number one overall pick. Right. This was not easy, and this is why I tried to warn people of the tiers earlier. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are the tier one for me right now. If the draft was tomorrow, I would take Bryce Young, you know, probably every single time. But I am projecting CJ Stroud to end up as a better prospect by the end of this season. Or at least, I I really fell in love with his traits when Mm -hmm. watching him. Now, I've been excited about Stroud for a long time. Um, and that is a place that he, he had to wait a little bit, not that long. He's still a really young guy, but the growth that I saw him make throughout the season last year, Trevor was, and to be fair, Bryce Young did too, but Stroud's growth, his frame, his pocket passing ability, true pocket passing ability. I I think there is so much there. So I'll I'll keep it with Bryce right now before we obviously get to number one, which is already given away Mm -hmm. Uh, with Bryce to me, who's a really good watch. I think every, everything is going to start with him about his size. Alabama lists him as six foot one ninety four. Not a lot of guys play quarterback in the NFL at under 200 pounds. I don't, uh, do you think he's six feet tall? Nope. I don't even think he's close. Not okay. a chance. I don't know if he's 5'11 or 5'10. He's, he's closer to 5'9 than he is six foot, if you ask me. And I'm not even a guy that gets so caught up all the time about you need to be 6'5", 230 to play quarterback. But he the, he's in a stratosphere where it's a very deserving conversation. And it's not going away. It's actually going to grow. What was Kyler? Kyler, Kyler was 5'10 and 1'8". So here's the problem when I hear that, because I hear that a lot, and it's the only other guy you could bring up, right? Well, right. That's that's the guy that you would bring up for like the success metric of like him being small. And, he doesn't, and, and Russell Wilson. He doesn't move like Kyler Murray. No one does. Well, Kyler's also Kyler was also 205, 210 is probably what he plays at. And what was Wilson? What was Russell Wilson? Uh, oh, Russ is thick, at. thick. I think he's right, right, right. 5'11, right? Russell Wilson. He might be 5'10. He was 5'11 flat, but he was 205. He was the same thing. He yeah. he weighed in the same, basically the same as Kyler. So these yeah. are just these are just thick boys. Small yeah. boys, and, thick boys. And you could see it that Russ could carry a lot of weight, I remember. And I, I don't I don't know that about Bryce. So that I don't want to make this like negative on Bryce Young, because there's so much to dissect. But I want to make it clear as day that if you're a fan of the NFL draft, that is the thing you're gonna hear about Bryce Young until it's not a thing, right? Until it's not a thing. So now that we got that out of the way. All right. Former five-star recruit, top-ranked dual-threat quarterback. I know that was like the funny, like, he had the funny quote, like, you know, I was an underdog or whatever it was. But yeah, like this <laughs> this dude is the real deal. He's been big time for a long time. He was a legitimate top recruit. Um, ball placement is excellent at all three levels. It mm-hmm. really is. So, I mean, they obviously got incredible pass-catching targets every single year, but he put it in their lap he just it looks like he takes the football and sticks it right in their pocket most of the time right in the belt buckle um ball placements are so good middle of the field throwing phenomenal 
phenomenal. And it's with anticipation. It's threading the ball. It's putting it between defenders, over defenders. The middle of the field throwing comes easy to him. It's no problem. And that is in or out of the pocket for a smaller guy. He can make the middle of the field throws from the pocket. He puts the deep ball in his receiver's pockets for them, as I said before. It's absolutely beautiful. It was really fun to watch him play with Jamison Williams. And uh, he's still learning a little bit what he can get away with in tight windows. A few of the INTs, or could be INTs, I know at PFF we call them the turnover-worthy plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you and I have gone through all of them for these quarterbacks. A couple of defenders you know, jumped underneath, and he just didn't think they would get there, and they did. And he's learning man, these guys are really good. Like, I'm playing against Georgia. These defenders can close the space that I don't really think arm strength is an issue. He just, he's learning what he can get away with. It's, all these guys are going through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one negative thing, one more negative thing, it takes nothing to bring him down. Like, there's a couple times sure, where sure. guys get into the pocket and, like, kind of one-arm stab at his shoulder pad, at, you know, his pads, and, and he, he falls. He's, you can... He does play like he's 190. I, I don't. I don't. I want to be honest on this podcast. I want to be. I don't think he's a perfect prospect. I, right. He's a really good one. The intermediate right. and deep throws outside the hash lose some life sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I don't think he has the power arm we're accustomed to seeing as guys build as uh, number one overall picks for a long time. He was sacked 35 times in 2021. Some of them, especially against A&M, he didn't stand a chance. He snapped right. the ball, he looked, and he was on the ground. He got killed. So I don't right. really want to be like, oh, this guy holds the ball forever. He takes a lot of sacks. Really good prospect, Trevor. Really, really good prospect. Right now, he's the best quarterback in this class right now. But he's not my number one quarterback class because I do not project him that way. I, I see a long-term starter. I'm excited to see him grow. I'm excited to see him work on the things he can work on. Like I said, mm-hmm. the defender's jumping on the ball. Uh, hopefully, he can he can pack on more weight and play a little bit bigger at times. But it's, it's going to be a fascinating conversation around him because he's really, really good. But I, I, it's, I, and there's no slam dunk at quarterback, but he, you know, he's just, he's not that guy yet. I have Bryce at number one. So okay. it doesn't, it doesn't matter. We're, pro, we're talking about Bryce Young. We're talking about CJ. Yeah, Scott, take it away. Guys, I've got him at number one. And, you know, you did a good job with some background and some trades information. I'll throw some background stuff that I found on him. Um, some people might already know this stuff out there. It's, it's sort of common knowledge, but I do think that guys' backgrounds go into what you see on the field sometimes. And I think that for Van Bryce Dyke. Young specifically, yeah, Van Dyke, absolutely. It, it has that pitcher background. You see that in his play. Bryce Young, I think also, this goes into it. And I'll, and I'll tell you why in a second. So he was born in Philly, but he grew up in Pasadena, California, went to modern day high school, which is, you know, modern day high school was produced. Matt Liner, Matt yeah. Barkley, JT Daniels, Amon Ross St. Brown, like all these guys who went to USC. So he was originally committed to USC, but he ended up going to Alabama, as everybody knows. As a junior at Modern Day High School, he w- led his team to a national championship. And as a senior, he won the Gatorade National Player of the Year. He had over 4,500 passing yards and 58 touchdowns. That is just absolutely insane. First scholarship offer, little nugget here. Eighth grade, Cliff Kingsbury, when he was at Texas Tech. That was Bryce Young's first scholarship offer before they started all kind it's of like my next Kyler. You or, <laughs> it's going to be my you Kyler. Know? So uh, I said, originally committed to USC, but then he went to Alabama, ended up being a five-star. Backed up Mac Jones' first freshman or his freshman season. Um, played nine games though. So we didn't redshirt that freshman year. So he was, a, he was yeah. a true sophomore last year, true junior this year. Led Alabama to an SEC title, won the Heisman Trophy, had almost 5,000 passing yards, 47 passing touchdowns, just seven interceptions, became the very first Alabama quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy. When you look at some of the PFF stats with Bryce Young, 
He was the top player of anybody in PFF grade, 91.9 elite grade on the season. That was the best grade of all these quarterbacks here. He had the best, he had one of the best big time throw rates. He had 34, 6.2%. Yep. That was the third best turnover worthy play. Also really great. Had the second lowest turnover worthy play, play rate uh, at 2.1%. The adjusted completion percentage was great at 78.1. Now you get into some stats that you go, okay. Maybe he's maybe he's being helped out by Alabama a little bit. Average depth of target was less than ten. That was ninth. Uh, I, it was it was nine point oh flat nine point oh average. That was ninth best. Uh, play action percentage was eighth. Uh, air yardage percentage was tenth. So his air yards was the lowest because he was getting the ball in the hands of guys like John Mechie and, and uh, Jameson Williams, all those guys who did incredible things after the catch and passes batted down as you would expect. He had seven passes batted at the line of scrimmage or just batted down, and that was. Uh, that was eighth, so that was a lot. That's a lot in the yeah. end, guys, that I watched. Him being as talented as he is, I think goes into the playing style that you have seen, especially with him as a first-time starter last year at Alabama. I believe that Bryce Young, throughout his entire football career to this point, has always been one of the most gifted players on the field, whether it's been through his arm or his legs. He has just simply been one of the most gifted players, and because of that, I think that he has had the – leeway to get away with some flaws and fundamentals and mechanics that I noticed in his game. He biggest issue right now with Bryce young is his footwork. He does the heel click thing he where in, instead of staying wide in your base, which when you're a quarterback and you're standing, standing tall in the pocket, or when you have established your stance, if you will, your feet are supposed to be just a little bit further than shoulder width apart. Your knees are supposed to be bent a little bit, which gives you that kind of uh, that bounce a little bit. But with your feet always at those positions and your knees always in those positions, it allows you to fire the football at any at, like at any point. You don't need to sit here and gather and reestablish and whatever. If you are bouncing around the pocket still with your feet shoulder width apart, a little further than shoulder width apart, you could throw the ball at any time. Bryce Young doesn't do that because Bryce Young instead stands more narrow. Because he's short, because he's got to stand as tall as possible. When yep. you, when a lot of these quarterbacks, when you go wider in your base, I mean, physically do it. If you're listening to the podcast and yeah. you know, not not while you're driving, I hope nobody, nobody try this while you're driving. But you're at the gym right now. Yeah, if you're at the gym right now, if you're at home or whatever, stand tall and then put your feet further than shoulder width apart and bend your knees a little bit. Sumo squat position, you, everyone. You go down. You physically go down. That's what happens. Bryce Young doesn't have the height to spare. He yeah. already can't see over the line of scrimmage with him being right around what I think is probably five foot ten when he's got cleats on. So because of that, He's got, you know, his, his footwork is, is, is not what you want it to be because he's constantly has a more narrow base. And because of it, he's constantly doing the, the heel click thing, which is where, you know, when you're, when you're going across the pocket, your heels are just kind of clicking together as you are shuffling your feet. And that's not good just because it means it's going to take you longer to get to a base to where you can generate power off your back foot and get the football where it needs to go. So I think that he rely he has relied too much on his, his talent in his arm to really be able to clean up those mechanics. And then there's also an element of maybe he just can't. Um, his natural stance is too narrow, and I think that it's because of that height, like I mentioned. Uh, I said I, I, I have in here, I wonder if seeing over the pocket is why he does that, and I do think that that's the reason why. So that's the big negative on Bryce Young. I think that there are also times where 
He's got to arch his back. He's got to bend backwards to try to throw the ball over the line of scrimmage, which also sometimes hurts his power, his velocity on some of those throws that you were mentioning when you were explaining him. But I want to make sure that we're also talking about the positives. This dude's really good. This dude's an insane playmaker, man. Yep. You know, when you talk about, okay, if you're going to be a smaller size, you better be able to move correctly. This guy moves correctly. Even though the base isn't as wide as you would want, Connor, the toes, the hips, the shoulders, they are always pointed exactly where they need to go. And that ball is going exactly where he is targeting. That, That release with also the shorter arm, the shorter frame, lightning quick, man. That ball is coming out of his hands quickly when he decides to throw the football. He's small in size, but he is just so natural when it comes to seeing the field, adjusting to pressure, escaping and extending plays, putting the ball exactly on the money on all three levels of the field. I just feel as though (laughs) it's funny because we're going to knock him because of his size because we have to. And not just because, you know, when when you hear... I think a lot of times we'll listen to scouts and we'll be like, oh, you know, he's a big, tall quarterback. And you go like, who the hell cares? You know, like there, there's all sorts of big, tall quarterbacks that stink yeah. in the NFL. Why don't you just pick the bigger, the the the, the better football player? Well, I'm, I'm telling you right now, Bryce Young is a fantastic football player. And I have him as QB1 because I think his intangibles as a playmaker are that good. But there are practical ways in which being shorter and smaller affect what you do. And I just kind of wanted to spell those out. It's not just, oh, he can't see over the line of scrimmage or like, oh, I just like my quarterbacks bigger and taller. The reason is because there's there's actual practical, applicable reasons to why you would want that or why that is preferred. And you do see some of that show up in Bryce Young's game. So when you see, when you hear somebody go like, oh, he's just too short. Now you kind of know why what goes into that and might be a drawback for it. Really well put, man. I think you, you, you broke down exactly right. Why... It's funny, like we when I think when you and I got into this around the same time, there was such a pushback from old school scouts of like, oh, you can't draft a short quarterback like they're outliers. They don't pan out. And then, you know, there was kind of that new wave of like, no, they can now. But now you don't want to go too far on the other spectrum where it's anybody can play quarterback. It doesn't matter. Right. And the way you described the reasons of how it impacts their game. I mean, some of the things you're saying I've even noticed with obviously Kyler at the NFL for as good right. as he's been at times. Kyler has those problems. I think Baker Mayfield has gone through those problems quietly right. at times. Right. Um, so it's, and this guy is smaller than Baker. Um, he's not as electric as Kyler. Nobody is. That's not fair. He, and I, you highlighted, he is deadly accurate. It's awesome. He's a really good prospect. He's so naturally good at this game, man. Yes. He is so naturally good at the game of football. And I, I list, I get very detailed, and you did as well, in the areas where we see maybe some shortcomings. But I don't want people to forget, and you mentioned it too, that like, this dude won the Heisman. He almost won a national championship. He beat Georgia in the SEC championship. Like His this, numbers the, for Alabama he, are unheard of. He is such a good football player. Yeah. But he's short. And those are applicable things that you look at his game and you go, okay, that might be drawbacks. So he's your number one guy. I did say that if the draft was today, I think he's, he's the guy I would take. He's the best quarterback right now. But my number one guy is the guy that I think projecting can be the best NFL quarterback of the future of this group. It's just not there yet, but green light came on at some point last year and the arrow was really pointing up. And that's CJ Stroud, who former five-star recruit, 
an effortless pocket passer that got better as the year went on. And for a first-year starter, man, there's not much more you can ask. Just get better as the year went on. He went from okay to really, really good by the end of the year. A big body that can break tackles in the pocket and reset his base to throw. It's one of my favorite things when watching C.J. Stroud. It's it, the pressure comes. There is some contact. He's not getting you know drilled. He's not getting hit you know wrapped up around the hips. But there's contact against him. Contact balance. Reset my base and put myself in position to throw. C.J. Stroud is so good at that. And when you're six three two eighteen, it's it's a skill. It's, it's a impressive, skill. man. It's impressive. Yes. Yep. It's a skill. Um, a couple things. I think some of the turnovers are just big time head scratchers. I'm like, why did you like, why did you, th- you did not need to throw that. But he's, he's a young guy. Um, you know, obviously him and, uh, Look, him and when you, when you got Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson, you might as well just be like, nah, my guy's going to go win it. And like, I, I think that played into it. I think it, there I, was I think hundred percent played into it. Yeah. So he's, he's still 20 years old. Him and Bryce are really young, which it's, you know, and that's not the case for this entire quarterback class. There are some older guys. Jaron Hall is an older guy. Will Levis is an older guy. Devin Leary is an older guy. So these are, these are the tier one guys and they're young. Um, a couple of times I noticed he passed up on the, they didn't, Alabama didn't do this as much for Bryce, but Ohio state did this for CJ. They would give him that late outlet check down. And there was a lot of times where he's like, no, I'm making the big play. And unfortunately those were his turnover worthy plays as we call them at PFF. Like you watch him and you're like, there's the check down or there's the little drag route. Just dump it off and let your guy do work. you got the best skill players in the country most of the time Mm -hmm. uh, in most games. And he's like, no, I'm going to make the big play. And it leads to a turnover or turnover-worthy play. And you know what? That's part of playing quarterback. You learn what you can get away with. And as long as you improve on that along the way, that's all you can ask for. So it, his his worst is really bad. It's really frustrating. But his overall consistency, and I'm excited for you to read the numbers. I have them open too, but I want you to read them. It's really good. There are big-time throws. There are surprisingly some, you watch the Oregon game, there's a throw he has down the sideline to a Labe vertically. It, it's one of the most beautiful balls I, I've seen in this quarterback class. And Labe drops it. It's right in his hands, and he falls and drops it. And you look at Stroud, and you go, man, the deep ball passing, it's real. And it's from the pocket, and it's standing tall, and it's playing with a consistent base. And once again, it's a base that he knows how to reset and redistribute and find himself to reset a new pocket and make throws. And... I'm really excited for this dude. I think that it's limitless for him. Somebody asked me right away when I posted a clip of him, you know, this is really early, but do you think he's he's as good as Justin Fields or better already? And he said he's not better now. He's not Justin Fields right now. But is there a clear picture where you can see him getting to that level or even beyond it? There really is. That's how that's how talented Stroud is. Yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised when I watched Stroud, and it's it's so funny you watch these guys who are not draft eligible and you watch them live on Saturdays in college football. And, you know, you focus on the stats, you focus on the big play, but you don't really have them under a microscope yet. And so when I went into CJ Stroud's film, I went into it with, I I mean, like I, this is just natural. Like I already had thoughts to it and, and something that I thought was a weakness to his game. I'll read in a second. But when I turned on his tape, it didn't take me but five or six plays for me to go, man, this dude's good. Like this dude is, there's just so much to like about CJ Stroud. And all of a sudden I went into CJ Stroud thinking like, yeah, okay. Like the stats, but like, look at the offense he plays in Ohio state. She's an offensive stat factory. There were some areas where I thought that I had concerns about him, but 
He was he was so much better than I thought he was going to be, man. Look, he is so fundamentally sound as a quarterback. You mentioned it, and it, that's hard to do when you're big. When you're six foot three, 215, 220 pounds, that's tougher to do. And he makes it look effortless. You could tell that he really works on his fundamentals. Feet all the way up through the shoulders and the throwing motion, man. It looks beautiful. It's the beautiful. Feet, the, the feet, the hips, the shoulders there, so often married right to the target. The ball goes exactly where it needs to be. He does a great job constantly establishing his base, maintaining it until the throw whenever he decides to pull the trigger. Ton of arm talent on this dude. And he can make almost any throw in the field. That's what I have in my notes here. Understands, and here's something that I've also really enjoyed about him. The more that I really watch him under a microscope, understands the manipulation of defenses, whether that be with certain play action or holding safeties to a certain point with his eyes, getting them off and then throwing it a different direction. He did that more than I thought that he was going to for a guy who, again, I kind of went into it and unfairly, unfairly so. I went into it thinking, like, all right, he's got the great offensive weapons. Like, the film's not going to look that good. He's basically just going to be a point guard facilitator to these wide receivers. And he wasn't, man. CJ Stroud was a big reason why that offense was as good as it was for as talented as those wide receivers were i had to give cj stroud his props as well of the pff stats that i have here you figure he was great and great 91.6 second only behind bryce young for these draft eligible quarterbacks really nice big time throw rate he had 25 which is sixth best turnover worthy play yep. was fifth which is right in the middle it's nice adjusted completion percentage 97 percent, which is second only behind spencer rattler funny enough uh who did not complete a ton of passes so i would consider C.J. Stroud's adjusted completion percentage even better, but something I like, play action percentage. How much did this dude lean on play action to kind of manipulate the defense? 29.8%. That was ninth, which means that was almost the lowest rate of any of these quarterbacks that kind of relied on play action. Now, when I say relied it's not like these guys are using it as a crutch it's just in the offense that they play in you don't really have to worry about that with cj stroud there's not this gimmick of okay well he can't really survive without play action to really do something at the linebacker level no he was completing the ball and putting it where it needed to go and putting up big stats without being heavily reliant on play action now the area of his game that I, i i see as a weakness but really i have in here The only big question mark I really have in C.J. Stroud's game, of course, he can get better at recognizing defenses and and, and being manipulative of what he does, being more decisive, being more anticipatory. It's confidence. And I'm very curious if you saw any of this with his play, but there are times, especially for road games, where at the beginning of the game, I'm like, you know, I'll watch him throw like a swing pass, just like a quick swing pass. And I'll watch him get the ball, and he'll turn to his left, and the feet will be exactly where they need to be. The throwing motion is exactly where it needs to be, and the ball goes where it needs to go. But it just like, it just like dies on him. And it like, like all the running back of the receiver kind of has to like bend down a little bit, go get the ball. I'm like, CJ, throw the ball. Like Layups. you, yep. you have worked so hard to already prove to us that you can turn, you've got the mechanics right. And you can fire that football right where it needs to be in stride, get that ball to your receiver. He's going to go get yards after the catch. And there are so there, there are way too many times where that ball just dies, whether it's in the short spot or an intermediate spot, it dies way more than it needs to. And I felt like that was a road game. I, did you watch the Rose bowl? Did you watch the Utah game by chance? Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's a throw at the beginning of the Utah game. And I think it's kind of a little bit of, of a double move. And he wrote and he, he rolls to his right a little bit and he's got all the time in the world and his receiver gets even with the last defender to the point where the safety, I think is, is flat footed even with the wide receiver. So his dude is gone. Like there's no chance he can keep up with him. And you see CJ, like he pump fakes it once 
And then he, it's almost like he gets gun shy. And then he goes, yes. okay, now I'm going to throw it. And he throws it. And by the time he does, the defender ends up catching up to the wide receiver. And I'm like, throw that ball the first time. If you had confidence in that read the first time, that's six points. Not like you, you read it correctly. You saw it correctly. You had the throw timing, right? You just didn't like the ball out of your hands. And so I just want to see the, the thing that I want to see the most from CJ Stroud, believe in yourself, man, that the, yep. your, your mechanics are Don't so hesitate. good. Your arm is so good. You've proven it. Don't hesitate. You're the, you're the effing man. Do it, throw it, show it on every single play. And I'd, I'd love to see more confidence from CJ Stroud because a confident CJ Stroud is a, is a future top three pick in whatever NFL draft he's going to go in. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think the first quarter of the season, the first couple games of the season, it was like very evident. It was like, that man, Minnesota game for sure. I was sure. made sure to watch that game. Yeah, he was very, very hesitant and it got better as the year went on. But you're right for that Rose Bowl for as insane as it was and his numbers were massive and it was mm -hmm. a crazy game. There's like little flashes of it. And you're like, man, you just I think he's going to come in with a different mindset this year where it's it's you know, I've been the guy before I'm comfortable you know, I do have some targets returning that I've played with, even though I lost two guys in the first round at wide receiver. I, I've thrown to some of these guys that are here, and he's got some of the best coaching in the country from an offensive standpoint. Um, he's in a great system for him, like you said. Didn't always have to use play action as a crutch to get him going. There's a lot to like. Not perfect. The, the head-scratching turnovers are – and that was really part of the hesitancy. There's a couple of times where he pumps or holds the ball – and he's got such a good release that he got away with it a lot of times. Like you said, where a guy just makes a play on the ball, not takes away the ball. But there's a few that he's so late that the interceptions can pile up. But right. once again, um, an awesome prospect. And a guy that I, if I had to say it today, I think Stroud will be a top 10 pick. I think Bryce Young will be a top 10 pick. And then we'll see how the rest of this quarterback class develops along the way all right so there we go. My, uh, my top five from five to one, I had Tanner McKee. From Stanford, I had Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, Will Levis from Kentucky, C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, and Bryce Young from Alabama. Connor had Anthony Richardson from Florida at number five, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami at number four, Tanner McKee from Stanford at number three, Bryce Young at two, and then C.J. Stroud at one. We already talked a little bit. You know, you gave some notes on Will Levis. I gave some notes on Anthony yep. Richardson. Anybody else that did not make the top five that you either watched or you're intrigued with that you want to give a shout-out to before we get out of here? Devin Leary and Jaron Hall, I think probably for different reasons. I think, you know, I'll be kind of brief here because we're going to talk about these guys all year. With Leary, what jumped out to me is he's already started for two and a half years and he just doesn't really make mistakes. And he's, you know, he's not the biggest guy, 6'1", 210. Um, a little bit of an older-ish guy. He's like Levis, where I think he will turn, I believe he will turn 24 right before the NFL, his first NFL season starts. But this, Are you talking about Jaron? I'm talking. No, no, I'm talking about uh, Devin. Leary. Oh, Leary. okay. Because yeah, Jaron Jer Hall is also going to be an older prospect. Jaron is a much older prospect. What's he? Twenty-five. Um, he is somebody that will turn twenty-five the month before the draft. So when he's drafted, he will be twenty-five years old. Yeah. Um, which is old for a quarterback prospect. And you know, like I said with Leary, a, a smaller guy, very accurate, doesn't make mistakes. Uh, kind of projects a little bit in the sense of like a higher end Bailey Zappi where he's, you know, teams that look for that kind of backup, like the system New England runs, they're really going to like him, I think. Mm -hmm. And he's played a lot of good football already. Jaron is fascinating. Uh, once again, an older guy, but 
former BYU baseball outfielder. Right. 2019, 2020 yeah. was on the yep. baseball team. I know he's got bloodlines. I think both his dad and brother played running back at BYU. They did. Um, not a big frame, but he's jacked. Like he, he is. He's, no, he's built. He is he's jacked. Built. Like big biceps, big shoulders. Like if you're going to be a smaller framed quarterback, like I love when you're in the weight room maxing out your frame. And he's he's done a really good job of that. Uh, plays with a lot of confidence, twitchy in and out of the pocket. It's funny watching him with the twitchiness and the mobility because you're like, oh, we saw that with Zach Wilson in the same uniform. Does not have the arm Wilson no, has. Not. not at all. But a good, um, I mean, like, Jared's got a good arm. I said average arm, but plays with confidence. And when you have an yeah, average okay. arm, That's but fair. confidence, it looks like a good arm sometimes. Okay, um, there you go. So, yeah, I... I uh, Jaron Hall is going to be fascinating because he's going to get the age debate, but he, he's got some promise. Uh, he, those are the two guys though that I watched that did not crack, along with Levis, that did not crack the top five. But I, I'm, they're in the top ten, and they're they're worthy of this discussion this year. And you're not you're going to hear about them a lot. So, so I'm glad you? you. I'm I'm glad that you brought those two guys up. I'll bring two more guys to the table. Unfortunately, I didn't I didn't get to watch Sam Hartman uh, from Wake Forest. The offense a little. <laughs> A little strange though with the with the, like the long mesh play action heavy base stuff so it's crazy um, you can see how the numbers came yeah out i'll have for to him. i'll have to get to him at some point throughout the summer just for fun but we would be remiss if we did not bring up spencer rattler of course and spencer rattler not in my top five not in your top five wouldn't have him in my top 10 would not i watched him la- i watched him last summer i watched him all season um he's just i, I don't even want to get started about his attitude He's Attitude just sucks. such a project, man. Like, even if you take any of the spec- speculation of, you know, him being him being a little, his head being a little bit too big from being on the QB1, yeah. the Netflix documentary, like saying what he said about Oklahoma, where it was a toxic environment and kind of like why he was benched, like speculation or rumors about that. Like, even if you take all of that stuff away, which is a lot. Who he is on the field mm-hmm. is also, I mean, he is a major project, man. This is, yep. I, I talked about it a little bit with Bryce Young. And here, I'll just read my notes for him, actually. Let yeah. me get the notes out. Please. So, I mean, like, former five star quarterback from Phoenix, Arizona. I mean, like, he was the MVP of the Elite 11 at the opening when he was in high school. Obviously, I mentioned he starred in the Netflix documentary QB1 during his senior season transferred to Oklahoma and, or not transferred, committed to Oklahoma and, First two games that he played through for eight touchdowns combined, which tied Sam Bradford's school record for the most touchdowns through somebody's first two games. Look, the strengths, one of the top arm talents in this class. I mean, like the dude's got an yep. unreal arm. There's no doubt about that. If not at the outright best of anybody can throw the ball from a variety of different angles, bases with good zip distance and accuracy, though all three of those are not always present for every single throw. They are possible because I've seen it. Now the weaknesses list is longer than the strength list, unfortunately, for Spencer Rattler. Supreme arm talent has stunted the growth of both consistent mechanics and decision-making. There are plenty of snaps where Rattler shows that he knows what to do with his lower body mechanics. Then there are others where he just does not focus on them at all. They are completely thrown to the wayside, and he just, I don't know what he's throwing or why he's throwing it. His decision-making was bad enough for him to be benched, albeit by a really good quarterback, Caleb Williams, behind him. And ultimately, he transferred doesn't have really good pocket management at all right now because Oklahoma's offense is already kind of weird. They're, the space is like infinite, it seems. And the dude just keeps dropping back, dropping, dropping. It's like he's playing Madden out there. It's like he's hiking the ball yeah. and then he's doing the thing where like you just keep dropping back, dropping back and drift press a button and then you're just throwing it deep down the field. So the mechanics, the decision-making, the pocket management, it's nowhere near an NFL level. 
I don't care what the arm is at this point. If you were to stick Spencer Rattler on an NFL camp right now, he would be years away from being able to be entrusted to, to, to win you football games at the next level. So I don't know what Shane Beamer is going to do with him in South Carolina, with him being in South Carolina right now. Certainly you've got a ball of clay with a ton of potential in the arm, but not good, man. He's nowhere, I, he's nowhere near NFL level right now. I know you said wipe away like all the stuff he said about Oklahoma, but like, why did every quarterback that's played under Lincoln Riley get succeed, so much better and look so great? And right, yeah. except him. At some it's point, not. be the guy that says, "I needed to be better," and you have to be that guy at quarterback. Like you have to be, you have to be that guy. You have to be the most countable player amongst any sport franchise, in my opinion. Yep. And I don't know. Maybe he surprises us. Maybe he finds his way into the top 10 quarterbacks again for me. But, uh, man, it's just um, it's been a nothing but a disappointment. And I, I hope he, I hope it really turn, uh, turns out well for him, uh, you uh, know, obviously. Other one I'll give a shout-out to, Jay Kaner, my guy Jay Kaner. I like sure. Jay Kaner a lot. I don't think that Jay Kaner is going to be a top five QB in this class, at least as of right now. But I think he's gutsy, man. Uh, last year he threw for over 4,000 yards uh, in Kalen DeBoer's offense. Kalen DeBoer no longer there. He's at Washington, which – Hayner almost transferred over to Washington, which is actually where his college career began. It's kind of a crazy story, but he ends up staying at Fresno State. He's going to stay at Fresno State for one more year. Had 33 touchdowns, nine interceptions last year. He's a smaller guy, so he doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but he's one of those players who you watch a lot of his film and you go, this dude's a gamer. I mean, especially if you watch last year's UCLA game, the gutting performance where he had a he had a pretty bad hip injury that he played through that game and just put on a heroic performance, especially the last drive to win it. Uh, it was it was pretty special. So what what he was able to do last season, kind of gutting things out through injury. He's a quarterback that I think you love. I don't know if he's ever going to be a franchise quarterback in the NFL, but um, you know the arm is a little bit limited, the size a little bit limited. I think he's only about six foot six one, about one hundred ninety five pounds. Actually, I talked to him not too long ago because I'm I'm doing another story on him, and uh, I think he said he was up to like two oh seven. So he's beefing up. It's it's, it's beefing it's, up, baby. It's, it's bulking season. Beefy so, boy season. So we'll see, but. As of right now, I didn't think the arm was exactly what it needed to be last year. We'll see what he can come out and be in his final season. But he's an intriguing prospect, a good quarterback, maybe not a great one, but I think he's one that a lot of people like uh, potentially as a long-term number two in the NFL. Okay, so my guy exactly like that is probably Keaton Slovis, who transferred to Pitt. I know it did not work out the way USC fans had hoped for. Mm -hmm. um, it's amazing, Trevor. He's still just – he just turned 21 in April. Oh, he's, he's young. Yeah. And he's played – a lot of football the last three years so let's not forget this guy in 2019 when he was what 18 years old threw 30 touchdowns nine picks um once again i don't think the most physically talented guy but can he number one i think he'll fit in that pit offense really well the way pickett did and can he develop into a long-term number two a guy that gets drafted in round four or five at the nfl level i, I think he can especially with the all-star circuit i'll right. say this man when you look at these quarterbacks, this is such a better year for Senior Bowl and Shrine. Oh, dude, yes. yes. Such a better year. Yes. for Because the Senior Bowl obviously, you know, got the guys that were going to be drafted early, like Kenny, and then nobody else got drafted early. Mm -hmm. So it's right. well-rounded this year that Senior Bowl and Shrine is going to have, they're going to have good quarterback rooms. Yep. And that's exciting to me. I think that even just going down this list, it was so funny. We, we looked at quarterbacks last year, and I remember doing summer scouting, and we got to like QB4, QB5, and I was like, mm, I don't really care about anybody anymore, actually. And this year, I found myself like, Okay, let me watch. Let me watch one more guy before the podcast. Me let, me, let me watch Could've one more going. guy. Before. And I just like, I kept going. So there, the quarterback list this year, I think the intrigue 
think the hype around these guys is going to be a lot different than what we were used to over the last year. It's going to be an exciting 2022 college football season for a lot of these quarterbacks, a lot of area for these guys to improve a ton. And man, we could be back to talking about quarterbacks as the center of the 2023 NFL draft. I think that's the potential that we've got in this list. That was the first episode of summer scouting, buddy. That was, uh, that was fun. Man. That awesome. was, I think that was the long, that might be the longest episode that we have, uh, that we've done here as a, uh, as a podcast duo, but we had a lot to get to. I felt like it flew by. And as we do more positions, you know, we're going to continue to be just as detailed with a lot of these guys, you know, We'll pick up the pace a little bit with running backs if we want to get to more wide receivers, certainly things like that. But yeah, we want to be, be bigger. We want to be really, as, yeah. right. We want to be as detailed yeah. as possible with quarterbacks because we know that everybody loves to know as much as possible about quarterbacks. But this is fun. This is good stuff. Phenomenal. Um, it was funny. We really did cut away so many more guys, but it's like you said, you really want to introduce the mainstays, the guys that have a shot to be first round picks. Um, and it's this just is such a good format. I it felt like so. I felt like. I got through so much in a couple of days where it's like when you, you know, you take the month off after the draft, I'm really scouting, scouting again. And then mm-hmm. when you like dive back in, you're like, oh, right back in the flow, uh, a quarterback class to be excited about last yes. year when we were watching them. Like I said, watch Rattler, watch Malik Willis, guys like that. It was like, okay, you know, here and there, this quarterback class, it's like, no, I don't think we don't need to manufacture anything. These guys got some so, legitimate man. talent. I don't think so. I don't think we got to manufacture anything. I think quarterback. I think the quarterback class. We're getting back to what we love. It's going to be hyped about. It's going to be talked about. Certainly, this is not the last time we're going to talk about quarterbacks. We're going to be ranking all these positions. Ultimately, coming up with a NFL stock exchange kind of top fifty preseason top fifty. Yeah. So I'm sure that these quarterbacks are going to be in that list as well, as well as a mock draft that we will have at the end of the summer. But we got a lot of guys to get to before then. We got a fun mock draft Monday coming up for you at the beginning of next week, and then we're moving on to running backs for summer scouting a week from today bud good luck same to you but not too much luck same to you that's 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 that is all i have to say about the situation we'll see whose team (laughs) is up whose spirits are down when we see you guys next monday we'll see you then this is the nfl stock exchange